0: Welcome back to the Literary Salon Podcast. It's me, Damien Barr, bringing you another book of the week and it's our first book of the week of the year. Anyway, it is very exciting to be back. Now, just to say very quickly, the podcast is obviously not just me. A lot of the Sifting and Picking is done by Matt Casborne, who has brilliant taste and who's probably really embarrassed listening to this because he will be listening to it. And it's edited and pieced together for you seamlessly by the brilliant Megan Bay Dorman. So thank you to Megan and thank you to Matt and thank you to the whole Salon team and to you for listening. Now, anyway, that was like an Oscar speech. I do look really good in sequence. So our first book this year is River Sing Me Home. It's a debut by Eleanor Shearer and it is poignant and beautiful. Eleanor is a mixed race writer and the granddaughter of Windrush generation immigrants. And it's her Caribbean roots that inspired this book. It's a work of historical fiction. You know that we love historical fiction. And in the book, she transports us back to 1834 to the cane fields of Barbados. It's a really emotional journey through the Caribbean with Rachel, a runaway enslaved person who is pursued by the plantation's foreman. Rachel is on a quest to reclaim her five children who have been taken from her and sold away. So, loads of tension. Is she gonna get caught or worse? It's a novel in the context of slavery and colonialism. It's also a story of hope and resilience and sisterhood and solidarity. And I think what will stick with you is the bravery of a mother. This is a book with loads of heart and here is Eleanor with a reading from her debut novel, River, Sing Me Home.
1: Hi, I'm Eleanor Shearer, the author of River, Sing Me Home. I'm so pleased to be reading an extract from the novel exclusively for listeners of Damien Barr's Literary Salon. I'll be reading from chapter one, where we are introduced to Rachel, a mother looking for her children. We know that there really were women in the Caribbean who tried to put their families back together again after slavery ended, and their bravery and resistance is what inspired me to write this book. So, here's a short reading. It was the blackest part of the night, and Rachel was running. Branches tore at her skin. Birds, screeching, took flight at the pounding of her strides. The ground was muddy and uneven, slick with the residue of recent rains, and she slipped, falling hard against the rough bark of a palm tree. She slid down to the soil, to where ants marched and beetles scurried, and unseen worms burrowed through the earth. With ragged breaths, she gulped the heavy, humid air into her lungs. She could taste its dampness on her tongue tinged with the acidic bite of her own fear. What had she done? She looked behind her. Looming in the darkness was the outline of the mill on Providence Plantation, its arms splayed out like four sharp-edged daggers, marking an angry cross into the sky. Terror clawed at her throat, as if the mill itself had eyes and could whisper to the overseer what it had seen. It was not too late, She could still climb back over the wall and creep through the fields of half-planted cane, where gaping holes awaited young green stalks. She could return to her hut, one wooden square among many, and lie back on the sleeping mat that was worn thin from forty years of use. She could wait for dawn and another day of labour. Scrambling to her feet, she kept running. Her legs plunged her deeper into the half-formed shadows of the forest. Her chest ached, She wanted to collapse, but could not. Her body, unbidden, carried her further and further away from Providence. Every snap of a twig sounded like a gunshot. The murmuring of cane toads became the distant cries of searching men. She must keep running. Alone, mud-streaked, with weariness sinking into her very bones, a question haunted her. Was this freedom? The empty forest. Her fleeing, sick with dread. Was this what they had hoped for all along? The day before, all the slaves of Providence had gathered outside the great house. A stone-faced set of white people waited for them. The master on horseback, flanked by the overseer, with the master's wife and three children standing on the steps of the house. The white people stared at the slaves. The slaves stared back. They all knew what was coming. Some of the slaves even smiled. Rachel was among those who didn't. She was old enough to remember other times when there were whispers about the end of slavery. She would not believe it until she heard it for herself, from the master's own mouth. The master's balding forehead glistened with sweat in the heat. As he brought his horse forward, Rachel caught a glimpse of his wife's face, her lips pressed into a line of seething contempt. It was this sight more than anything that weakened Rachel's resolve. She dared to hope. The Master kept his remarks short. He told them that the King had decreed an end to slavery. As of the following day, the new Emancipation Act would come into effect. They were free. Some people cried. Others yelled and danced in delight. They were a mass of shouting, sweating bodies a river bursting its banks. The master and the overseer barked useless orders, unable to be heard over the noise. Eventually, the master rode his horse through the crowd at a gallop, just to get them quiet again. Its hooves kicked one woman's head in, and she died instantly. But she died free. There was more, the master said. They were no longer slaves, but they were instead his apprentices. By law, They would work for him for six years. They could not leave. When the sun rose, Rachel and all the rest would be going back out to finish the planting. They would tend to the cane until the next harvest and the harvest after. Six years of cutting and planting and cutting again. Freedom was just another name for the life they had always lived. An ugly hiss went through the crowd The overseer, gun slung over his shoulder, reached to bring it down. A hundred pairs of eyes watched the arc of his hand. The master's horse blew air through its nostrils, its reins pulled taut. The hiss died, and the crowd was still. Rachel heard the news of hollow freedom in silence. For years she had lived in perpetual twilight. Those she loved were long gone. Her life had shrunk to the size of the plantation, the routine of endless toil and the long shadows of what had once been. So there was a sense to it. Freedom was an emptiness that could only be filled with sugarcane. That night, everything was the same. The press of the ground on her back. The shape of her limbs, thin and knotted with sinew. The musty smell of her hut. Days of labour lay ahead, her life as neatly ploughed as the furrows in the field. In sleep, she dreamed of her mother, or maybe it was the idea of a mother, an outline of warmth and kindness. She couldn't remember her own mother. The mother was there in front of her, but somehow Rachel knew that she was also not there. She was somewhere far across the sea. She was fragile, a wisp of smoke. She could not stay long. The mother spoke a name, and Rachel knew it was her name, the name she was meant to have before some white man called her Rachel. What the white man gives, he can always take away. But this other name, this was hers. Rachel repeated it. The syllables felt strange in her mouth, but as the thrum of speech vibrated through her, they gave her strength. She was able to stand without stooping. She could feel the pleasant weight of her body, solid and powerful. The mother stepped back and began to dissolve one drop at a time, soaking the earth underneath her. When she was gone, the soil glistened a deep, rich red. Rachel had awoken in pitch darkness, wild, trembling and glistening with sweat, and her body could not be stilled. It moved without her asking it to. It moved on animal instinct alone, crawling out of the hut, unfurling and flinging itself out of Providence and into the night. In the forest, Rachel asked herself again, was this freedom? A violent rupture. A body driven to flight, a mind paralysed with horror as it watched things unfold beyond its control. The trees had no answer. Their leaves whispered in the wind, and Rachel imagined them taunting her. What now? Her body moved beyond the range of thought, with a desperate will of its own. She kept running.
0: And that momentum that you've just heard, or that you've just felt in your chest more likely, that momentum is kept up by Eleanor all the way through a book. It's really hard to believe that this is a debut novel. She is such a safe pair of hands as a writer. It's really moving. And I know that you're gonna love the whole book. So a big thank you to Eleanor for coming on the show to read from her debut novel, River, Sing Me Home. It's published by Headline and it's going to be one of those books that everybody's talking about this year. It's available now in all indie bookshops and from our shop on bookshop.org and if you buy from us there you support the work that we do. If you know somebody who loves compelling historical fiction and I'm going to say you probably do then do them a wee favour and share this episode with them. As always thank you for listening and join us again soon.